And hello once again, Tom Block, Keith Jones with you, and we will continue our Florida State discussion with Seminoles.com senior writer Tim Linnefelt. And I'll remind you that Jimbo Fisher's postgame press conference streams live following every home game. You can watch it live on your phone or tablet via the Seminoles.com mobile app. It also streams live on your desktop via Seminoles.com. Best of all, no subscription required, totally free, and Seminoles.com is the only place to watch Jimbo's postgame pressers following every home game. With that said, hello again to Tim Linnefelt from Seminoles.com. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How about yourself? Doing well. I'm told that you can at least shed a little more light on a topic than what Keith and I just did in our prior segment, and that is the fact that Dalvin Cook, because school is in session, didn't have to go through a five-day climatization period. He could just get right back out there and put on the full pads yesterday, which from a logic standpoint, Keith and I couldn't wrap our heads around. So is there uh, something you can add to the the rationale for why that would be different once school started? Well, it definitely looked a little odd and, and had, had folks kind of scratching their heads at first. Um, I, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit more clarity on it, but from, from what I understand is that it has to do with uh, with with walk-ons usually, uh, you know, walk-ons usually join uh, at the start of school, and, and so when you have you know however many walk-ons uh, on the field, it, it doesn't make any sense for them to have. Uh, they're not going to have from a, even from an efficiency standpoint. Uh, you know, everybody in full pads practicing, and then you know, twenty, thirty, however many walk-ons uh, out there in 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 shells and shorts going through uh, going through that process. So uh, so from that standpoint, I guess they they make an exception to allow them. To uh, to jump right in and, and and be a part of practice and and Dalvin Cook in kind of a a, a weird uh, roundabout way has, has been able to be included in that. Certainly, Sem- semi sense, semi sense, yeah, semi. All right, well that cleared up. Thank you for that. Now we can uh, we can move forward. Let's you know Dalvin Cook's obviously the topic of this week, and uh, we'll get into the quarterback uh, battle and discussion a little bit uh, later on, but. Just a very open-ended question from your perspective. What does Dalvin Cook's return mean to this team? Well, an awful lot. Um, you know, it's it's not not overselling him. I think to say that he could be one of the best running backs in the country. I think by the end of last year, uh, he certainly was one of the best running backs in the country. And, um, and and so, you know, for for an offense that is transitioning from Jameis Winston, it's transitioning from four senior starters on the offensive line, transitioning from Nick O'Leary, transitioning from Rashad Green, to have a, a steady, reliable guy back there that you know uh, one can score uh, from just about anywhere on the field, and two can be a guy that can you know can get you some yardage, can 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 settle things down when maybe things aren't going well, especially early in the season. Uh, I think it's extremely valuable. Tim, talk a little bit about, and I've talked to a couple of folks, they were amazed at the shape that Dalvin was in. We talk about, you know, you can train and then you get back into the pads, and obviously, you know, he's practiced Tuesday and Wednesday, but but he doesn't appear to be anything but in the best of shape. What are people saying about that, and what did he do differently? You know, it really is kind of remarkable. The The first time that I noticed what the kind of shape that he was in was about a week or so ago. Uh, practice had ended and everybody was heading back into the locker room, uh, and Dalvin Cook was uh, was headed back out to uh, by him just by himself. Uh, he was walking out there, and, and at the risk of, of sounding weird or whatever, he uh, he didn't have his jersey on. He hadn't put his jersey on yet, and he just looked. I mean, just like I mean, it looked like he'd been in the weight room, you know, all day every day for the last two three months. And uh, and, and he saw him going out there, and he he said back out to do his workouts. And that's when I think he realized for the first time that you know he hasn't been sitting on the couch. Uh, for the last two months, he's been been getting after it and and uh, and, and working on his own and, and, and committing himself to uh, to the weight room and and it was really apparent and then it was obvious yesterday too 
uh, on Tuesday when uh, when he made his way out on the practice field. Uh, you know, he might have even looked a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger than the last time we saw him. Uh, so I, you know, I was really impressed with that. It was obvious that, that Jimbo Fisher was really impressed with that. Both uh, from a physical standpoint, he's glad to have his best player, or his best offensive player, in, in as good a shape as he is. But also just, you know, um, the commitment that, that Dalvin Cook showed. The uh, I guess the the character you would say to uh, to just take it upon himself. But even though he couldn't be. Uh, around his teammates, around his coaches, he still, you know, committed himself to to doing what he needed to do to be ready to play, and that was pretty impressive, especially for a you know a sophomore in college. He wasn't bashful about being a little vocal. I'm told by uh, folks that were uh, there after the media left, he was uh, uh, encouraging some of his fellow offensive players. They were getting a little agitated with him, reminding him, "Look, you ain't been out here the last two weeks like we have." <laughs> No, exactly right. It was, it was funny. Uh, Demarcus Walker came in and chatted with the media uh, last night. They said that uh, he said, "Man, that guy's got some wheels out there." We had to, we had to tell him to slow down. Said, you're, you're fresh. We're not fresh. We've been out here for three weeks, and you're just now getting out there. But uh, you know, as, as much as that may be, yeah, you can bet that they're uh, they're certainly glad to see him out there. Uh, both just to you know have have a teammate uh, re- re- rejoin you uh, after everything that, that he had to go through there. Uh, and then also from just a football standpoint, you know, he, he means an awful lot to that team, uh, certainly really offense, but you know, for the team in general. Tom Block, Keith Jones, we're talking with Seminoles.com senior writer Tim Linnefelt, our insider. Tim, with Dalvin back, how do you see the distribution, the workload distributed, starting with, with week one? I mean, Jimbo has talked a lot about, I don't want to, I'll use the phrase down the line, which is not an appropriate phrase to use really, but he's he, he's talked about guys beyond Mario Pender really when he talks about Vickers and there's Jacques Patrick. I mean, how do you see the distribution going forward? Well, starting with week one, it, it's always kind of weird to say because uh, typically with, with those types of early season games, you know, you might not get your starters the, the whole time. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if I, mean, I do expect to have to play, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't get more than 10 or 15 touches before given way to some of the younger guys. But, you know, I do think it could be a situation where you see, I don't know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dalvin get, you know, as much as 70 to 80% of the carries, even with those other guys, uh, just because I think he's that good and he can handle it. I think he showed by the end of last season that he could handle 25, maybe even 30 carries a game on a regular basis. Um, that said, I, I also, you know, we know that, that Jimbo Fisher really likes to, to have a deep running back rotation. We've seen it in the past. Uh, and so from that perspective, having a guy like Mario Pender who, is also a home run threat. Having Jonathan Vickers, who I think has looked really, really impressive the times that I've seen him uh, in practice, just as far as the, you know, sticking his head in there, running between the tackles, really looks like a, a really tough runner. You know, having all those guys available, uh, you know, really helps. And I think there's different things you can do with them as far as catching the ball out of the backfield uh, and, and running, you know, running different uh, different plays for each of those guys. But I, as as much as Jimbo has in, enjoyed, you know, using those deep running back rotations, I don't know that he's ever had. Uh, certainly not at Florida State, a running back, you know, quite as talented and, and dangerous as uh, as Dalvin Cook. So you know, I think as long as he's the guy, it wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me at all to see him kind of get a, a feature back role. That's interesting because that is a departure from Jimbo's philosophy. And having the ability to carry it twenty five or thirty times doesn't mean that you want to trot him out there and have him do that every week. I, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It feels like Jimbo's sweet spot has been more in. Uh, maybe as many as 25, but more like 18 to 22 touches, not just carries for mm-hmm. whoever his lead guy is. I, I don't know if you have the numbers on that, but uh, that's interesting. And, and then a second part, you're, you're saying that it's not a smokescreen from Jimbo, the praise that he's given to Vickers this preseason. No, no. And, and yeah, and he definitely seemed like one of the, kind of one of those guys that, 
you know, when, when, he, when he speaks about him a lot, you, you sort of start to wonder. But then, you know, being able to see him, and, and he's a guy actually that, um, that I covered uh, when he was in high school at North Florida Christian, just a, a really impressive guy, a really impressive player. And, you know, he's, he's, he's totally the kind of guy I think that, that the coaching staff here would, would sort of fall in love with. You know, a tough player, a tough runner uh, is not going to be afraid to, uh, to block to, uh, to contribute in the passing game in that way. And, and like I said, man, he just you know, he, he sort of sticks his head down and, and, and runs between those tackles. And, and sometimes they tackle him and sometimes they don't. And he can reel off, you know, 8, 10, 12-yard runs. So uh, I think he can be a part of things for sure. Uh, Mario Pender, uh, to bring him up again, is, uh, you know, the only problem he's had really is just staying healthy. You know, it's easy to forget, but he had a really, really impressive start to last season before that ankle injury slowed him down. Uh, and by the time he was ready to come back, uh, Dalvin Cook had kind of seized control of the backfield, but uh, but he can certainly play a factor as well. Tim, uh, you'll be with us next segment, so we've got a couple of minutes left in this one. Uh, real briefly, again, uh, Tommy's favorite uh, way of asking questions, open-ended. Uh, what's new with the offensive line? Because uh, you don't clear some people out, create some space. It doesn't matter what the running backs do. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the, the big thing I think that they're having to figure out right now is, is the center position. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, after the second scrimmage on Saturday, was really, really unhappy with the way they snapped the ball, said that it, it really um, it hurt both offenses, it hurt both quarterbacks, uh, Sean McGuire and Everett Golson. Uh, you know, if, if you can't snap the ball, can't get an exchange there, uh, you're you're pretty much crumbling at, at your foundation. So, uh, so that's going to be the the big thing for them is figuring out who that's going to be, whether it be Corey Martinez, Ryan Hofeld, Alec Everly. Somebody needs to separate themselves there. Uh, the left side of the line, I think, is is pretty much come together. Obviously, Roderick Johnson, left tackle, uh, his job was never really in question. And it looks like Kareem R, the uh, the JUCO transfer, uh, is set to take over at the uh, the left guard spot. So the center the center spot and the uh, and and the two uh, right sides uh, excuse me the two right side positions are still kind of coming together. Uh, they started out with Chad Mavetti at right tackle, and, and lately we've seen Derek Kelly, who's from uh, from East Gadsden High School nearby in uh, in Havana. He's kind of emerged there lately, uh, and is a guy that they seem to like. But then you know asked about him the other day, Jimbo Fisher uh, sort of saying that you know he's. He's sort of uh, sliding a little bit, having sort of the, uh, the the middle of camp blues a little bit, you might say, and then they need him to step it up too. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's still a work in progress there, and I think it, it might be for a while. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they uh, if they use uh, a, a pretty quick rotation uh, early in the season to kind of figure out who fits best, uh, not only individually but collectively you know, as the unit. Yeah, see how they perform when the lights come on, so to speak. All right, we have uh, much more to discuss, including that quarterback battle. We'll do that with uh, Tim Linnefelt in just a couple of moments. This is The Front Row. Tom Block with Keith Jones. It's presented by Hobson, Chevrolet, Buick, and Cairo. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Front Row on 97.9 ESPN Radio is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. And hello once again, Tom and Keith, back with Seminoles.com senior writer Tim Linnefelt. Keith, I'm going to demonstrate, though, for you since you talked about my... uh I want to ask open-ended questions, how it works in radio when you ask closed-ended questions. All right. Let's see how this happens. Tim, will Everett Golson be the starter? Could be. <laughs> Is Travis Rudolph the best receiver on the team? Yes. Is Roderick Johnson the best offensive lineman? Yes. Is Robert, Roberto Aguayo the best kicker in the country? Yes. Is Jimbo a good coach? 
Absolutely. All right. So I've demonstrated a little bit, Keith, why I'd, I'd, I'd like to op- ask more, uh, you know, open-ended questions there so we can elaborate uh, and let Tim articulate on some of those topics. But when everything's said, Tim, who asks better questions, Tom Block or Keith Jones? Well, that, that depends, I guess. Uh, you know, if, if you, uh, you want to give the short answer, I think Keith asks great questions. But if you like to hear yourself talk a little bit more, then I'd probably give the nod to, uh, to Tom. Wow, that was a backhanded compliment if ever there was one. <laughs> So the quarterback situation, when are we going to get a decision? You know, I honestly think it could happen fairly soon, and that's based on just looking at Jimbo Fisher's track record. We have seen him go through this a few times. Uh, I actually went back and and looked at when he announced uh, his quarterbacks, dating back to his first quarterback race, which you'll remember was his first year uh, as offensive coordinator in 2007. Uh, That year he named Drew Weatherford the starter on August 23rd. Uh, several years later, he named Jameis Winston the starter on August 20th, 23rd, 2013. Uh, and then the one kind of weird one was uh, in 2008, uh, he named Christian, Part- Christian Ponder the starter uh, on, I think it was September the 3rd. It was a Wednesday, and the season started on Saturday. Uh, that seemed, uh, you know, looking back on it, I was like, oh, man, did I, did I have that right? Did that really happen? Um, but it did, and, but that was kind of a weird year. If you remember, there was a, a lot of uh, split time between Christian Ponder and, uh, and Devontae Richardson. So uh, with the, uh, the caveat that the, uh, the season starts uh, a week later than, than usual this year, it doesn't start until uh, you know, the first weekend in September, um, we're getting kind of right around there. Um, just, just my, from sort of reading the tea leaves, I think it could make sense to see uh, some news on that by the end of this week, if not then early next week, because I think you want to get, you know, you have a game next week, and so you're just beginning your game week preparations, and whoever's going to be under center when that game starts, you want to give him that full game week of practice to, uh, to get acclimated with uh, with the first-team offense and get ready to go. So, I mean, it only makes sense. Personally, I think athletics marketing should just delay the decision until the starting lineups are announced on the video board right before kickoff in week one. Get everybody, get everybody in the stands and say, here you go. It's the moment you've been waiting for. Is it going to be Golson? Uh, I think so. Um, and, I, and here's why. I think um, that it, it makes sense just in terms of, of what Florida State has to do this year. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with, between a new offensive line, new wide receivers, new tight end, uh, the guy who's maybe a little bit more dynamic of an athlete can uh, make some things happen when plays are breaking down. Because you know, let's be honest, there's going to be some times this year uh, when the plays are breaking down, or a receiver is going to run uh, a wrong route, the offensive line is going to miss an assignment. It's just it's going to happen uh, with so many new parts uh, this year. Uh, having a guy who can, can maybe make things happen on the fly and has also been in some of those big time situations uh, more so than than the other quarterbacks on the roster. I think it just makes sense now. If, say, this were last year and you had all those senior starters on the offensive line, you had Rashad Green, you had Nick O'Leary, uh, maybe it would make more sense to go with the guy who's been in the system longer, understands the playbook uh, a little bit more. But given the, the rest of this roster, I think Everett Golson makes the most sense. Oh, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy. I am so disappointed. Here Uh-oh. it comes. One of us will be right, or at least – you and I are on opposite sides. I really, really think Jimbo is absolutely struggling with this, and I really, really think when push comes to shove, he's going to go with McGuire at least to start the first ball game. I think that the offensive line is so unsettled, although the receivers have improved, and we'll talk about that in a minute, over the last uh, three or four practices. It wasn't uh, too long ago when uh, Fisher was calling them out for lack of effort and inconsistency in route and, and ball catching. I just think that prudence would be you go with the guy that knows your offense, particularly when you're not playing a national game, you're playing a regular season opening game against an opponent that you're going to be heavily favored, 
and you let him lose the job, so to speak, or you let Golson come in second quarter, midway through the third quarter, get some snaps under him. I mean, compare and contrast that because I think you and I are maybe a little bit on opposite side of the fence there. I'm not sure I'm absolutely right, uh, but I'm old school. You're a little bit more new school. How do you look at that in light of that opinion? Uh, I think it's it's absolutely um, uh, a reasonable opinion, and and, I, and look, I don't mean to represent that uh, that this is a slam dunk at all. Um, you know, from what I've been able to see from those guys, uh, which has been you know probably a little more than than I would have expected to, uh, I don't think that Jimbo is just just paying lip service when he says that this is close. I think it really is close. I think uh, both have had um, some really nice ups and also had some some downs. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I could see that, and and again, it wouldn't shock me uh, for it to go that way uh, either. Um, you know, especially, you know, if, if you want, want to look at it from a perspective of a guy who, you know, has been here, has done everything the right way, um, and it's not like he isn't proven. It's not like we don't know, you know, what he can do um, and, and has, has played in uh, in big situations before, obviously, at that Clemson game with, uh, with Sean McGuire. Uh, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely a case to be made for him, and I, I don't think that I would drop dead in shock uh, if he was named the starter. Uh, but, you know, if you, um, you ask me today, what do I think is going to happen? That's just kind of where I'm leaning. Understood, understood. Uh, as in the moments we've got remaining, let's slip over to the other side. Uh, there are plenty that says uh, Florida State's defense has nowhere to go but up because they did not play well last year. Most of the reports out of camp and here uh, once school started and practices this week is is market improvement. What are you seeing? What are they saying? How do you feel? Uh, it's been, uh, from, from what I can tell, also uh, a little bit up and down, maybe more up than down, if that makes any sense. Uh, there's been a lot of praise uh, thrown to Marcus Walker's way. He's one of those guys. That you always want to check for the guys whose name comes up when you don't ask about him, uh, if that makes any sense. And he's been one of those guys this year uh, for, uh, for me that I've noticed people talking about him a lot. Jimbo Fisher talks about him a lot. Jalen Ramsey uh, has talked about him a lot. Pretty much everybody uh, has, has been really impressed with him. And, and that's that's good news because, uh, as we talked about last week, of course, he has got to figure out a way to get some more pressure on the quarterback, and, and he would be a pretty big piece of that. Uh, if he's able to do it, uh, I think you know what you have in, in Jalen Ramsey on the one corner spot. I still think that they're working out some things on the other side uh, between um, Marcos White, Ryan Green, whoever's going to get that job over there. Um, and then also, um, you know, the uh, at the linebacker spot, I think everybody was so kind of worried and up in arms that they essentially had two guys with experience and, and then a whole lot of question marks. And I do think there are some question marks there. But for one, having uh, Reggie Northrop and Terrence Smith, uh, both of them being healthy. Uh, and experience is uh, is a really big deal, and then I think they're also you know pretty pleased with uh, with Lorenzo Phillips, uh, the JUCO transfer, able to get him out there and 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 have him just just to be a warm body that can that can come in and uh, and sell those guys a little bit, but also having played two years at the uh, the JUCO level, uh, you know, can maybe play a little bit as well, uh, especially early in the season, and and be able to to contribute. Uh, it, it's a really big deal. So uh, everything we've heard over uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, including out of uh, the second scrimmage last week, is that the defense is ahead of the offense. And as you know, that's uh, that's not exactly uncommon. In fact, it's pretty common. That, and when you have to worry is when your offense is really far ahead of your defense. And, and that, that fortunately seems to not be the case. Tim, final thought as we wrap up. What's been the biggest surprise of this camp to you? Hmm, let me think on that for a second, if you don't mind. Biggest surprise, man! I you know we can get some it, Jeopardy theme music going here. I don't know. There's been a ton of surprises. Uh, if anything, man, I would be surprised. Uh, maybe that the quarterback race uh, has been as close as it has. I really do believe it's been close, and I wasn't always sure on that, man. Uh, you know, quite frankly, when 
when you bring in Everett Golson in uh, over the summer, and, and and I understand why everybody's you know saying that it has to be a true competition and, and it's going to be a race between those guys, but it's just looking at it on paper, it, you know, if you bring in a guy with with that much experience uh, for a fifth year, it's not like you're going to develop him and turn him into a better player next year. He's here for one season. Uh, it didn't seem to me to like it would make a whole lot of sense to bring a guy in like that and then you know not have him start. And, and while I still believe that that he's going to be the guy. Um, it, I think it has absolutely been a, cl- a close race, and, and for that matter, I don't think that that whoever wins that starting job, whether it be Everett or Sean, uh, is not going to be in, in, you know infallible. And, and I don't think Jimbo Fisher is going to sit out there, or I don't think Jimbo Fisher would hesitate to go to the other uh, if the uh, the first starter were to, uh, to struggle or put the team in bad positions. And I think that speaks um, you know really well on Sean McGuire. Um, again, I, I, it, it's hard to say this sort of thing uh, without sounding patronizing, but man, I think it's it's really impressive. Um, his attitude and uh, and the way that he approaches these types of things, um, you know, a lot of guys. I think if you you know brought in a, a guy like an Everett Golson, you know, you could kind of take it as a shot across the bow. But he just you know took it as like, well, you know, I'm going to go out and compete with that guy. And the fact that he's been able to, to stay neck and neck in it and, and and still be a factor, I think, uh, really speaks to him. Well said. Good stuff as always. He is Seminoles.com senior writer Tim Linnefeld. Seminoles.com, where you can hear Jimbo's post game press conference. Well, not just here. You can see it. It streams live following every home game, so you can watch it on your phone or tablet via the Seminoles.com mobile app or on your desktop if you're old school like Keith via uh, Seminoles.com. Best of all, no subscription. It is totally free. Seminoles.com, the only place to watch Jimbo's presser after every home game. Tim, we'll do this again next week. Thank you. All right, you guys. Thank you. All right, Tim Linnefeld. Keith and I will uh, be back to uh, dig a little deeper and dissect some of his comments when we continue from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios with the front row in a moment.